Welcome to Break the Bias, a podcast series hosted by Karma Levine and myself, Jessica Cook from So Perth. We tapped into this year's International Women's Day theme and we're taking the opportunity to speak to some amazing Perth women. Today, we're chatting with the amazing Dr. Paula Magni. Paula is a world-renowned crime scene investigator, researcher and senior lecturer and she's one of only about 120 female forensic entomologists in the world and one of only five aquatic forensic experts. Paula, welcome. Start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and your journey. Thank you for having me. Well, my journey is more than a journey, a roller coaster. <laughs> because, uh, well, I was born and raised in Italy uh, in, um, in a nice little family with just my mom, my dad and myself. So I'm an only child. And um, I was living in a little apartment in a building. So I was not allowed to have any animals, but I had always a big, big love for any kind of little creatures living, breeding on this planet. And uh, it was so hard not having anything to pet for for me. So (laughs) I had to find a solution, even if it was a little child. And I could not have a dog. I could not have a cat. So, well, nobody thought to have the little caterpillar that you can pick from the chestnut during winter. So in in Italy, there is this... uh, kind of use when it's very cold at the streets, you can find people, um, you know, cooking this chestnut on the fire and uh, you can buy chestnuts and, uh, you know, you had to open it and every now and then you find the caterpillar. So I was absolutely not interested in the chestnuts, but I was interested in the caterpillars. (laughs) Uh, So maybe my mom was buying some uh, lettuce, some salad, and I was looking for possibly snails. I thought I was all about organic stuff because there was always more chance to find some little creatures. So maybe some of you have uh, the experience of buying some boxes of Ferrero Rocher chocolates. Mm -hmm. So I was, well, on one hand loving it as chocolate, the other is that the boxes were perfect for all of these little creatures. So I had a collection on my desk of all of these Ferrero Rocher little boxes in which I put little holes to make the little creatures uh, breeding. And I had like a box with snails, a box with, uh, with caterpillars, <laughs> a box with little ants. So was a nightmare for my mom. But yes, yeah, so that was my starting of the uh, roller coaster. They could not stop me. There was no chance for me to stop. So <laughs> though they tried to give me dolls, trains, uh, put me to dance, dance class and things, but I was really, really not interested. So the only way to make me happy was to take me to the Natural History Museum or to the aquarium or to the zoo or places like that. And uh, I ended up to go to the Monte Carlo uh, Aquatic Museum, the, the, the famous oceanographic museum, or Jacques Cousteau seven times. And that was my holiday. Like, this is not okay for a kid <laughs> to go there all the time. But that was me. And um, so it was pretty clear and pretty... Um, yeah, common sense that I was going to do something like that during my university period. And people were thinking about veterinary studies, you know, you save animals, cure animals, or biology. But I ended up deciding for natural sciences. That is kind of a different thing because, uh, well, while vets uh, cure and look after big animals and biologists look only after um, cells or DNA or maybe little creatures but not that major, Natural scientists really look after nature in the broad sense. So if a biologist look after a plant, uh, you have a, pl- a pop po- plant. Imagine a pop plant. So the biologist will look after the red part, the leaves, the trunk and things. A possible geologist will look after the soil, the vase and things like that. But a natural scientist will look after the vase, the soil, the plant, the trunk, the leaves, the air around, and even after the people that look at the pop plant. So really that broad sense of nature. And this I was my my interest was trying to understand the dynamics and the balance and the uh, all the equilibriums that changes because something happened maybe a fire or a disaster or or just a different season or the arrival of a different species so all of this changing of the world of nature surrounding us was my interest and nature is everywhere is even in this room that is very anthropogenic because we are all here is everything made by man or in the bush or in the ocean nature is everywhere and then just happened that i realized that also crime scene can happen anywhere and the only thing that can make connection between a victim and a suspect 
is actually the nature around them. Because as soon as something happens, well, there are evidence, there are clues, there are traces that can be exchanged between the victim and the perpetrator and these two people and nature. So understanding the key left by nature into the crime scene, you can provide a reconstruction that will avoid miscarriage of justice. So that was me, and the journey ended up in Australia, where in uh, back in the days, about 10, 15 years ago, there was the Center for Forensic Science at UWA, one of the biggest and the most important centers of research in forensic science in the world. I was invited there during my PhD, and um, fell in love with Perth, fell in love with uh, the possibility to uh, communicate science also in Australia and uh, yeah had a very nice group of people supporting my research and my crazy ideas <laughs> and then well I stayed because uh, well I fell in love as well with a, a citizen <laughs> 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 and uh, and then just things piled up I ended up to work for Murdoch instead for UWA and uh, making my own profile as a researcher, a teacher, a science communicator, and I believe also a role model for women interested in uh, STEM uh, disciplines and interested in uh, science communication and interested in doing something a little bit out of the box, I believe, Mm -hmm. and kind of chasing their dreams and also making new dreams completely different from anything they can find out there. Because we're always looking for role models, but sometimes you are thinking to do something that you don't have a role model to look for. So why don't become your own role model and then the role model of somebody else? Yeah. And so so your inspiration really started as a kid with the with the bugs and that's kind of how you discovered that you could go into this field of work because not a lot of people do know about this field of work. So it's it's an interesting field to to be able to study. Yeah, and it's pretty weird for me because well, we are surrounded by nature. Why this yeah. should be such a different things? We always think about the natural crime in terms of the people that commit the crime, but not what happened in the environment. So when I was studying natural sciences, honestly, forensic science was not a thing because we're talking a little bit back in the days, mm. so I'm giving away my, my ages at this stage, <laughs> there was no CSI on TV. So people didn't know much about that. There was Murder, She Wrote with Jessica Lansbury, <laughs> in which every time the, the time since that was given because uh, the person that was the victim had a broken watch and so just in chance, there was the time of that because the, the, the watch broken. Now, these days we can't do that with the eye watches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and the, she was a, a writer. She didn't have any knowledge about science, but she was making up assumption based on common sense or just lucky, lucky things mm-hmm. made by the, uh, the producers. <laughs> so science was not there. Uh, Sherlock Holmes was kind of a bit old and magnified lens are not used anymore. Um, so I found myself studying natural sciences and wanted to use nature for a bigger purpose. And I didn't know what this purpose was going to be. Uh, I tried different things. I won a scholarship to go and work in Kazakhstan, in the middle of nowhere, in the RLC, uh, to study genetics of r- frogs, toads, and, uh, and snakes. I ended up in, Mo- in the Morocco um, desert studying the, the, the venom of certain kinds of snakes. Crazy stuff. But at the end of the day, I was not feeling useful. Yes, I'm useful for science, but what about for community? What about the use of what I know and what I like to improve the life of everyone, not just another book on the shelf to know what color is the next frog or what kind of venom is the next snake. And um, just happened for chance that I, I changed my course of study. So I yes, it's natural sciences, there are some electives, and uh, I modify my electives because I yeah things change. Like you don't, it, it's good the university is so uh, elastic these days that you can change the electives because your experience give you more options and more input, and you're uh, you grow together with you, what you study. So you change your mind. You um, it's not don't, don't be con- uh, coherent or consistent. It's being true to yourself. I don't like this anymore. Let me see if I can do something better. I can have a better path. So I talk of astronomy and I put entomology. Mm. (laughs) So uh, at the first entomology class, the professor said, well, insects are everywhere. Fair enough. Uh, There are many people that study insects, not that many, but many. And people study normally insects that are beautiful, 
butterflies or beetles that are shiny and things. Uh, insects that are very dangerous because they are vectors of different type of diseases. We know such as uh, mosquitoes and things. Uh, insects because they are very useful, so pollinators, bees and things like that. And pretty much that's it. Some groups study specific insects and that's it. And then they added something and say, well, hold on. In the last few years, there is a group of entomologists that are studying insects that can be found and studied and analyzed for criminal investigation because the process of the body decomposition attract insects that are the natural decomposers of bodies. So if they are there, it's because there is a dead body and they are there at a certain age at a certain time because the body is there for that time. Oh, oh. That was not eureka moment, mm. the light bulb, boom. Oh, oh, so you are bugs. Bugs are an interesting piece of nature, not in law. I'm not one of these crazy people with the net going around like <laughs> the, the card of the tarot of the mad. Um, but it can be a piece of nature. It can be very useful. Criminal investigation means justice, means providing, uh, providing opportunity for justice, closure to cases, closure to the families of the victims. We can't do anything more to the victim. We can only give peace to the families. So I said, well, let me learn a little bit more about that. And again, it was back in the days. Google was not there. <laughs> Dr. Google was not helping there. So I had to go to the uh, National Library and find out a little bit more. And uh, I found this, uh, uh, this discipline called forensic entomology. And just for chance, uh, a conference in Europe, in the uh, UK, was happening at the Natural History Museum. So the Museum of Natural Science come back in my life. Mm. And so I said, well, I never saw that museum. Maybe I can go there and check it out the conference. So did what I did, fell in love. I actually met the director of the Center of Forensic Science in Perth at, for the first time at this conference. We started becoming friends and starting, you know, collaborating on things. And then, you know, stars all aligned, even if I removed astronomy from my, <laughs> from my course of studies. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, so this is my journey. I ended up here and uh, incredibly uh, welcomed by the city of Perth, incredibly welcomed by the university system. And uh, my ideas were so well taken and so well uh, appreciated. And some cases happened that my expertise was needed badly mm. or goodly. <laughs> and uh, I ended up to be nominated for the... Um, Western Australia of the Year first, and then the Women's uh, Hall of Fame. And it's an incredible achievement for me, but for science, for women, and for a dreamer. Mm, amazing. And so tell us a bit more about how you actually apply the natural sciences to crime scene investigation. Well, first of all, you don't have to be biased when you apply this kind of science because, um, yes, you know that certain things happen, like a body uh, is there and insects should come, and you should know also what kind of bugs are coming, probably not butterflies, but, but just flies and things, but you never know. So you really had to know the policy, the procedure, the standard operating procedures, uh, the guidelines, you had to apply all the right things but don't expect, expect the unexpected because it's the unexpected that sometimes provide you with the important clues, the key to solve the case or to at least solve the, your piece of the puzzle. Uh, so um, you always have to work in a very objective way because some cases can be pretty uh, full on emotionally speaking. Uh, but in your case, you have to work as what you find there is an environment that you have to study. Some people study uh, bees in the, in, in the field of flowers. I study flies in a field that is decomposing meat. So you go there and you try to assess the situation, ask the right questions, take the good pictures and take the samples, go back to the lab. Some samples will be fixed. Some samples will grow in the, in the laboratory because you have to compare the immature stages or the caterpillars, the maggots with the adults because there are keys in the literature that tells you what kind of species is based on the adult, not on the babies. So it's very important to have the opportunity to do both. Some cases you can't, so you have to go DNA to identify the species and then insects are uh, animals that grow based on the environmental temperature so faster if it's warmer uh, slower if it's uh, colder with limits because it's too hot too cold they die 
So you had to get the right information from the meteorological station that has to be very close to the body. If there is not, you had to put your own little meteorological station to compare the difference between the faraway meteorological station and the one at the scene. Find out if there was rain, wind, all of this information that can affect the life of insects. So it's not just collection, but it's also understanding of the ecological answers based on the environment. And then you use lots of present literature. So works, scientific works that have been already published that tells you these species uh, uh, behave this way at this temperature, behave this way if there is this other species. Some species are cannibalistic, some species are predators, some species are just hanging out there. And sometimes there is nothing there because there is a new case and a new species and a new thing. So I had the experience also to be the writer of a, a new species found in a certain context or a new uh, discovery of something. So I was the person useful for another case somewhere else in the world. And then you put all of this information together, write a report. The report will be given to whoever employed you. That can be the defense or the prosecution. And then depending on the situation, you can end up in court and be grilled by the prosecution or the defense. Uh, Friday last week, I was in court. I was actually in an Italian court because I still work with uh, my Italian fellow uh, colleagues over there and with Italian cases. Some cases can take really a lot of time. This is a case I was investigating in 2007 when I was still in Italy. The case happened in 2001. So when I worked on the case, it was a cold mm. case. And what happened is that after so many years, they found certain number of suspects and they wanted to ask me questions. I was at the Italian consulate in Perth, so Italian territory in Perth, a little happy island with pasta and pizza. <laughs> 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 and I was uh, being grilled for four hours and a half by the prosecution. I was working for the prosecution to explain the case, explain my work, explain what I did. And one by one, each of the lawyers of the um, the different suspects that was pretty full on. Wow. Yeah, it sounds really full on. Yeah, four hours of grilling. And so is there any, um, you mentioned that case, is there any really interesting or cold cases that you can speak about, obviously, that you've worked on? Well, this case is pretty much closed. Like, I can't tell about what is going to happen next in terms of um, what is happening in the court right now, but this is a very well-known case because, obviously, it's from 2001. Uh, it's the case of a, a girl that was found three days after disappearance um, uh, in, a, in a bush uh, in the south of Italy. Uh, she was um, maybe... She was, well, she, she was murdered. Uh, clearly, she had a, a plastic bag on her on her head. She was um, wrapped up, um, wrist and uh, and the legs. And so, the big thing about this case was, um, okay, she has been murdered, but when? The time for for a murder, it's everything in the crime scene reconstruction, because you can give or take away an alibi to suspects. So if you say she died yesterday, well, yesterday I was at the beach and uh, I have the invoice of an ice cream, well, you cannot be you. But if you have another time frame, well, it can be you. So that is a very important information that you can provide to court. It's something that can really uh, close a case because when you work on a case, at the beginning, you don't have to be biased. So all the options are open. can be anyone, can be at any time, can be at any stage, but... If you start saying, well, I found only this DNA, so only this, this bunch of people can be involved. I found only this time, so only this time can be involved. I found all of these um, recording of, so all of these uh, things can be, uh, can be considered. So it's like a fennel. Slowly, slowly, the different experts work on kind of making this case with less and less options until you get one option only that is the right option. So... In my case, the time was very important because three days is a short time in some cases, a long time for justice to find the right person. Mm. And uh, normally in a situation of a murder, it's the pathologist 
the medical legal that it provides the time since death, but in the process of decomposition, uh, you lose all the information from the body that can give you time, like the rigor mortis or the stiffness of the body, the color of the body, the uh, different things. Plus, some situation can be very different, like. The, the fact that the body had this uh, plastic bag on the head can change the temperature of the body. There was a, a, he, a lesion on her head, so you can lose blood and you can lose temperature faster. So it's very difficult. Insects are there, mm-hmm. and they are there only from when the body is there. So understanding that, you can backtrack the time. You can't give the time, specific time, like Jessica Fletcher from the watch, because the, <laughs> the little bugs don't have a watch. They have six hands, but they don't have a watch, okay? <laughs> uh, but... You can give a, f- a, a time range. In that time range, this, this period of time is the one in which you have to investigate what happened. So again, you can uh, kind of force the law enforcement to, uh, to focus on that time and focus the energy, the funds, because sometimes the case become cold because there are no funds to, to, mm-hmm. to investigate more. There are not enough, there are too many crimes and not many uh, investigators. So. Sometimes justice is pushed by certain cases because there are more funds, more interest. Unfortunately, this is the world in which we live. There are some cases that are considered high profile, some cases that are considered low profile. And sometimes it's very sad because I had a high profile case that involved a bear and I have a low profile case in which was involved a a black lady prostitute. Mm -hmm. So what is justice there? Mm-hmm. So you really, at the end of the day, you ask yourself many, many questions about society, community, justice and things. And I want to work in this to improve also this vision. There are no high profile cases or low profile cases. Case is a case. You have to investigate justice is justice. That is the law is equal for everyone. And we had to provide everyone justice. Because it's not science that determines the profile of a case. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Because science is agnostic like that. <laughs> yeah. How interesting. So what is it that um, when we see these TV shows, what is it that like that you like about how they represent what you do, but then what is it that they get wrong as well? Well, definitely what they give wrong is the timeline <laughs> because in one episode that is pretty much the story of a few days happening, the case starts and finishes mm-hmm. and doesn't work like that at all. <laughs> Especially in my case, I, I have sometimes bugs that had to leave and become adults and take weeks. Sometimes because there is a, a thermal shock, there is a, an issue with the environment, they fall asleep in like a sort of a cocoon period and they stay there for six months. And <laughs> I can't wake them up like I do with my daughter. It's time to go to school. Wake up, wake up. We had the court case. <laughs> so it definitely the, the, that. Definitely uh, the situation of the opportunity of using any kind of science, any kind of crazy machinery, any kind of uh, funds opportunity. Like I had more than 500 cases. I had the opportunity to go on a helicopter for a case only once. It was the case of the bears, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, so mm. uh, sometimes you have to do DNA analysis or toxicological analysis, and you queue because your case is the last one after 25 cases before. So to, 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 you have to wait and take days, and maybe the machine is broken. They don't have a second machine, and they don't have the funds to, to re- replace the machine. And... Um, you have a case in which is a low-profile case in which a, a, a John Doe or a Jane Doe person, so an unknown person, is found, and you have a skeleton. You want to do a facial reconstruction, maybe to provide information to the media and see if a facial reconstruction is pretty expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, the nobody is looking for this person, so we don't want to spend this money. So again, the movies looks like. Everything is high profile and every is everything is supposed to happen. And also people work 24-7. <laughs> they don't have a life, mm-hmm. but it doesn't happen like that. So I had the experience to work for the Italian version of CSI as a, as a, as a storyteller and a, and, a, and a story writer. And it was hard for me to try to explain them this because they have producing time, they have things and so we try kind of 
make mm. one of these little, you know, little uh, black screen in which they say three days later, eight days later, uh, try to understand or, or say, let the entomologist or the police saying, well, I can't tell you anything now. We had to wait for a week. So something I was giving something about science. Otherwise, it's very interesting for me because it's like, well, I read a lot of scientific literature and cases done all around the world. And uh, I can see the movies and sometimes I pick, oh, this is the case of John from a, from a Flo mm. from a, um, Florida. Oh, this is the case of, uh, what's his name from wh where? So sometimes it's nice to see how the cases that some friends, that are very good friends, investigated all over the world have been picked as kind of a case story maybe with some little bows and trims around uh, to, to be used. Inspired uh, by a true story. Absolutely. Yeah, fabulous. Sometimes, yeah, fantasy doesn't, yeah, sometimes you... We're not as creative as sometimes we think we are. Yeah, <laughs> the world is way more creative than cr creative people. So it's like, it, it's good. And also, uh, beside movies, also documentaries, like um, in document investigative documentary, Innocence Files, like, for example, on Netflix. I have a couple of friends that um, worked in, um, in cases of... Uh, uh, reopening cases of people in even in the death rows that have been uh, uh, pulled in because of a miscarriage of justice by science from the beginning and so they um, they were for the um, innocence project America yep. to, mm -hmm. to reopen the cases and then I know them I know the science and it's great to see their work it's amazing how interesting. So um, why do you think that there aren't more female forensic entomologists? Because the figure that we've got is that there's 120 and then in uh, aquatic forensic experts, five. <laughs> yeah, well, forensic entomology is a branch of the discipline of entomology and entomology is bugs. How many of your friends do actually like bugs? Mm. Not that many. Not yeah. that many. But yeah, mm. yeah they're normally creepy and things, and they're smelly. So then I have a very good friends working on bees, working on uh, on butterflies and uh, grasshoppers. They are pretty cute. They eat fruit. They eat flowers. They're so not slimy. No mm. slimy rotten <laughs> meat like my stuff. So <laughs> adding the combination of they are not very good looking, they are creepy, and they eat very, very bad stuff. They smells. And you have to dress up very badly when you go in there. And you, your phone has to be switched on 24-7 because you never know when a case happened. So it's not exactly what you hope for. But... Uh, said that um, many people like me like the idea of um, having days that are always different and uh, in using the science for something bigger. And also, um, when you are a forensic entomologist, doesn't need to be a forensic entomologist practitioner in court. Sometimes you just do science, just do experiment that can be used for couple of friends uh, are forensic entomologists and work for the National History Museum. So you just do uh, taxonomy work. So you send them the bugs and say, what kind of bugs is? And so the fact that it's a, a bug that is used in a forensic case made them a forensic entomologist, but they are not practitioners, so it can be different. So in the world, there are not more than 250 total. So 120 means, you know, a, let's say, half chunk is, is females, but typical science. Typical science, we have more female jumping into science, especially to study. Mm. And then in the world of work, you meet less. And why is that? Well, studies say that especially when you work in the forensic field, can be very stressful. The hours of working in the police uh, department and things are not exactly the great hours. If you are a mom, for example, if you are look to look after a family, uh, the the pay the pay is not as good as what they show in the movies <laughs> and so if you had to have crazy time of work well better if you are a medical doctor rather than a policeman because you do crazy times and crazy shift but the pay the pay is completely different sure. you live in an environment in which there are a lot of men so you have to be you face the boys club at different levels uh, there is stereotype like i want to be a, a person a woman that work in the uh, police force or in the military, they immediately say, oh, are you a gender diverse person? Doesn't need to be, but some people don't like to be indicated as. And um, 
Yeah, and so there are many, many different reasons why. And there are stereotypes all the way. Uh, you watch the movies. Have you ever noticed that in the movies, the investigators, female, are always like super sexy, hair always mm. in the right place, and they go on the crime scene with the heels, and they are all like from Tom Ryder, the archaeologists, anthropologists, to even CSI, they're all good-looking people. You go into the same movies and look at the investigator male, is a drunk person, lonely, <laughs> uh, with some issues, like, uh, uh, like with borderline personality. <laughs> like, uh, it's very hard to rely on all of these. Mm. Like then you see there are less students that do forensic science because obviously what, what do you, oh, you study forensic science and then you have to go to the to the, the community alcoholist because <laughs> because or oh, you don't want to be a forensic because you you don't fit in that criteria of Tom Ryder kind of Lara Croft. So <laughs> it's it's a weird it's a weird kind of mirror towards mm. the profession and the study and the type of women. Interesting. So um, does Break the Bias have a meaning for you? And um, can you tell us about some women who've inspired you? Yeah, as I said at the beginning, it was uh, hard to to find somebody inspiring me in my field because there was nobody. But um, when I was a child, again, because I didn't have all of this uh, interest in the dolls and trains and things, I had the chance at some point uh, to meet a lady, her name is Rita Levi Montalcini. Rita is uh, is um, was a Nobel Prize laureate. She was born and raised in my city, in uh, in Turin, and she got the uh, Nobel Prize for her work in um, uh, in medicine. She is the one that discovered the nerve growth factor. Is something about uh, neurology and things, and. Um, she she came to my elementary school, so my primary school, and she was, you know, the kind of ladies that look old all the time with a big, uh, mm. wide hair, puffy hair. Uh, she was a survivor of the Second World War. She was a Jewish, and uh, she spent time in America to uh, to avoid the issues of the Second World War as a Jewish, uh, but she was Italian. So complicated story. She decided to go for medicine when she was pretty late in her, in her, uh, in her age. Her father wanted for her to get married, but she didn't want. Uh, she wanted to study, but they didn't want her to study. And and uh, so she started university late. She was not very good. Uh, <laughs> so all of these things, and she overcomes so many issues. Anyway, I was there like a movie star. Give me a signature on my on my book and things. And so she came to me finally, and uh, she asked my name and said, "What's your name? Oh, my name is uh, Paola, because in, in Italian my name mm. is Paola." So, oh, nice. Do you know that my twin sister's name is Paola? Eureka again. So that was my first <laughs> probably you asked Oh my god. I felt like that is sister. I am actually your sister. No, is that, that is not I am your sister. I, it's, it's, me. Me, it's me, it's me, it's me. I was like you know when you melt down like you, you oh my god I remember my my f- school friends were throwing their hair out when they were watching the take that or the backstreet boys I was not going to do that with Rita and like oh my god she bas- she said to me that I'm her sister I, I basically made up a, 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 my own story that's exactly what she said yeah, yeah. I, I mean yeah like I had the picture of said. her yeah I had the picture of her in my room I still had the picture of her in my office here in Perth in uh, Murdoch so she has been my role model from the beginning about so can I say my sister yeah, <laughs> of course yeah. so that is the that is the story so she is she was not a stereotype at all. I, at that stage, I didn't even know what stereotype is, I- even as a word. So, but I thought, she's so different. She's such a not scared to say what she like. She's not scared to say, I'm not young anymore. She's not scared to say, well, I'm not very good. I can improve. Uh, she was, to study the nerve growth factor, she was going farms to farms and take the eggs that was not going to be sold because she was u- using the embryo in the, in the eggs uh, of chickens. So yeah, so dirty job as well. Uh, and um, yeah, so my dream was I'm gonna I'm gonna have the Nobel Prize like her, my sister, you know, and uh, <laughs> I need to discover something that people don't know about, and so that was my my drive all, all the time to do something different. So I, my mom still uh, 
sometimes I say, I got an award. Is it the Nobel Prize? No. <laughs> so I'm not interested yet. <laughs> so my mom was like, Call me when you get the Nobel Prize. I went for, the, for a conference in Uppsala, so in, in Sweden, where they normally held the, the Nobel Prize and, um, night. And uh, I said, Mom, I'm going to Uppsala. Yeah, but it's not for the Nobel Prize. It doesn't <laughs> matter this one. So I'll come. I, I booked the trip for you with you over there for that time. So I said, okay. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have the category for me, but <laughs> well, uh, well, we can. Why they don't have the category for me? We can make them change their mm. mind. We can make something happen. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you might just have to like push it a little bit, but I'm sure because it's very important. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's not about medicine all the time. Yeah, it's also about criminal investigation and biology. Mm. Come on, come yeah. on. Yeah. 100%. Um, so, can you tell us about some of the most rewarding things in your line of work? Wow, uh, rewarding things. Um, sometimes it's, um, you work on a case and uh, you work on a case and you get the piece of the puzzle for the whole story and you don't find out the, uh, the final answer oh. until years later. So That would be tough. It, it's imagine, a, it's yeah. tough. So you really had to stay tight and uh, and just hope that your piece of the puzzle together with the other ones will make the difference. But I had a couple of cases in which what I did at some stage turned the course of the investigation. So it was not me closing the case, but it was me giving the right direction to the case. One case was uh, a very unique case that happened, again, around Rome. No, Rome is not that, uh, that dangerous. Okay, so <laughs> we promise, Rome is safe. There are lots of people, just that. Yeah. So yeah. statistically, it's more, it's more possible. So the story is that um, there is a couple, like a young couple. She's 16, is um, around the same age. They go, it was at least 18 because he was driving the car. Uh, they go clubbing. It's the night of Halloween. And uh, the day after, she's found... Um, uh, deceased uh, and uh, her body was found on the shore of a lake not far from Rome immediately the investigation was about him mm. it's the boyfriend uh, mm. is, is the boy or is the butler or is the boyfriend yeah yeah <laughs> typical um so they they ask him and they say so what happened last night you are the last person that saw her alive what happened and he said look we had an argument at the club she's beautiful everyone was looking at her she was maybe dressed up a little bit skimpy whatever um so we left the the club and then we had another argument in the car and i told her you know what just go away go home by yourself so I l I'm a bad boyfriend, fair enough. I left her in the middle of the night, in the middle of the street, and I went back home. Then I felt bad. I, I wrote a Facebook message, remember, having the invoice from the ice cream if you're somewhere else. Mm. Right, the, the message, I'm so bad, I'm a bad, I'm going to be better tomorrow, blah, 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 Facebook. Day after, some people that are walking on, down the lake for, with the dog find the body, call the police, blah, blah, blah. Case starts, uh, they ask him, and they say, Last time I saw her, she was alive. No CCTV, nothing. Pathologist does the work, and the work is, um, of the autopsy says that she had a heart failure. 16, normally doesn't happen, but possible. Um, maybe in the middle of the night, it's November, in Italy it's pretty cold. Uh, she was scared, cold, blah, blah, blah. Maybe she, she died for an heart attack. Case closed. But things happen. A few months before this, I was not far from Rome in the police academy, the uh, Arma dei Carabinieri in Italy, there are two different types of police, the military police and the non-military police. The, the military police is called the Carabinieri. And I was teaching them about criminal investigation em environment and aquatic environments. In aquatic environments, that can be from the ocean to the sea to a lake to even a bathtub, uh, there is not just water. The water is mixed with different elements. It can be soil, can be dirt, can be silt, or can be plankton. Everyone knows about plankton, okay? Um, now, this plankton or this silt can be very, very typical of different places. So in your bathtub, there will be not the same that it is in the Swan River, obviously, okay? And the plankton, the little animals that are in the Swan River at this level of per that are very close to the sea, will be different from the source, from the spring of the Swan River. 
and depending on the season, the plankton that is living animals, and there are larvae of many animals, can be different throughout the year. So it's kind of a signature of the period and the type of water. Now, in what I was telling the, the carabinieri was that if you drown in water, means that you're basically breathing water. And when you breathe water, you don't select what you breathe. It's the same if you breathe air. If there is something in the air, you breathe it. Sometimes <laughs> Australians breathe flies normally. <laughs> <laughs> this is the reason why they don't open the mouth. And I found that too late when I was here. <laughs> so uh, when you breathe the water, you introduce in your body the water and the plankton and the silt, whatever it is. So if you analyze the body in that sense, you can you can ana- analyze you, you can analyze different parts of the body, it's not just the lungs, but also different like bone marrow, the liver, the brain. And if you find the plankton, the silt, and the thing, you can actually place the body in a certain place at certain time. So first of all, you can indicate yes is yes is a drowning episode, and when and where. Drowning is one of the most difficult diagnoses in pathology. So this is a, the environment clue is really, really important, at least to give a direction. And this is one. Second, if you drown because you jump down from a cliff or somebody kick you out from a boat, is a thing. But if somebody is there, put your head down in the water, you, the other person, the perpetrator, should be in the water as well mm. most of the time. And you don't normally get naked to do this job. You're going to be all dressed up. So the thing is that if you can extract the plankton from the body of the victim, you can also extract the plankton from the clothes of the possible perpetrator or the suspect. That's it. There is one, one research only done in the Netherlands at the stage of this class that I gave. But this... Uh, there was the in the forensic team that was working on the case the carabinieri group there was one of the students in this group so he went to the prosecutor and said well we don't have any clues about him being or not we have only his words that he was not there with her can we check his clothes because there is this expert that says that maybe clothes can give us a clue Perpetrator said, okay, let's give it a go. Why not? So again, the thinking out of the box, but also the opportunity and why not? Let's try. Let's try everything, okay? So I fly from Turin to Rome. I take all the samples. I take the samples of the lake. I take the samples of this, the beach. I take the samples of the water of the house of this guy because it can be different. And I take all the clothes from his wardrobe. In the lab, I start collecting different things. I do the extraction. I didn't know what he was wearing because I didn't want to know what he was wearing because if not, you're biased. But only a number of things came out to be positive to the presence of that plankton and that plankton, not the plankton. It was exactly the same of the plankton of the lake. I'm not saying that it's him, but this is my report to the, to the, um, uh, to, to the prosecutor. These are the clothes, these are the positive clothes. And she gives to me the picture of him in the CCTV. And he was wearing the exact same outfit. So the case was reopened. A new pathology examination was done. They finally found the same plankton in the organs that were not collected at the beginning. The guy is now, he decided to go for a, a short court case. So he's now in prison. Ah. Oh. Uh. Yeah. He got caught out even with the Facebook message. Yeah. And can can the plankton last th- that long? Not all the plankton. Oh. Uh, only specific type of plankton that are called diatoms okay. uh, can last pretty much forever because plankton is a mix. We call it the microbiological garden. There's so many little things. It can be plant, can be animal, can be larvae, can be more than one cell. Diatoms are one cell only, uh, little, let's say, algae. And it's not just a, a one-cell blobby kind of things. There is the blobby thing, but there is also a little skeleton that is made on, in glass. Glass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, glass is, if you ever did any, any chemistry experiment at any stage, glass is what you use in the chemistry lab because it's the most resistant thing to chemical things and maybe not physical things like I can, I can drop any time a glass and then break it. But mm. when it's already broken up and as big as what, one cell, well, you can't break it anymore. So 
this kind of plankton, the diatoms, can stay there forever to the point that we use plankton, so we use diatoms for paleontological studies to understand environments from back in the days. And we have lots of information about uh, diatoms and this type of plankton, basically, because of ecological studies. So you use the information about ecology applied to forensics. Forensic science itself doesn't exist. Mm. It's the application of whatever other science to a criminal investigation. So if a building comes down, well, what do you do? Well, you can use the science that is geology. Maybe it was made in a position in which there was an earthquake. You can use physics. Maybe there was a bomb. You can use engineering. Maybe it was not built properly. You can use um, uh, entomology. Maybe the fundament of the building were eaten by termites. You can use microbiology. Maybe there was something like a bioterrorism act happening. Or maybe you can use anthropology. See, maybe there was something, some, somebody doing something. So again, it's not the building, it's the criminal investigation that requires different sciences. To, so the science applied to the investigation and to the court case, so the law become forensic. Fascinating. Yeah, amazing. And so is there anything that you're currently working on in your research that's interesting that you can Ooh. share? <laughs> we could go for hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, I try to don't be biased, but everything I do is interesting. <laughs> um, and then we can... We can uh, kind of make the comparison with what is interesting and what is actually even funny to think about. Uh, so the experiment that we are planning that will start in, uh, in May will have, I think, 56 between uh, wheelie beans and suitcases. In each of these, there will be little piglets, stillborn piglets. We don't kill animals for this kind of studies. We use stillborn uh, little animals. Because uh, what happens in Australia is that uh, many crimes like murder happen and the body is uh, concealed in a limited environment like the boot of a car or a mm. wheelie bin or a suitcase. There are many cases of they found a body in suitcases. They recently they found a body in a wheelie bin underwater here in Perth. And the, the composition process starts anyways based on different things the insects are called to the action but there will be a difference if the body is out there in a suitcase that has a zip or in a bin that has a lid so we are going to see the difference throughout certain amount of time and we provide this information to be useful in future investigation that. Yeah, that's interesting. So mm. we will have a land full of little bins and little suitcases. I think my students uh, find out the suitcases in a... Um, we had to have the, all the same. The same, yeah. And I think she found only like pink flower kind of suitcases. So even the oh. pictures... <laughs> <laughs> interesting. Oh, they that would be pretty Very festive. Very yeah. festive. And, yeah. very, like, and so you get your students to do it with yeah, you as so well. Yeah, so my work is... Uh, is um, when I do research at the university, I know I'm, I'm normally supported by my PhD students mm -hmm. or my master's students uh, because for me is research and for them is experience of research. And then we publish the work together. I always try to, to push them into science communication. Science communication can come in different forms and, and, and shapes. If you're comfortable to be in front of a screen, if you're comfortable just talking uh, on a microphone, or if you want to present in a conference, but at the end of the day, if you don't share your science, your science is in the draw and nobody will use it. Mm. So there is no point. So conference platforms are very useful. Uh, scientific platforms allow to use your science also in court cases because it means that it's not just me saying I do this and I do that well, but it's the community, the scientific community that gives the stamps of of accreditation of your work mm. because you you send you prepare the, your research you send it through an editor the editor sent through um, uh, reviewers the reviewers give you comment it's good it's bad it's good but needs some adjustments then coming forward a few times and then it's going to be published on a scientific journal that is available to anyone that means that you can actually use that work yeah mm, it gets actually applied Yes. Rather yes. than being theoretical. Yeah, instead of being just, uh, you are an ex you give an expert opinion, yeah. you give an expert opinion based on research that is accredited by the community. So it's 
it's a big difference. In some countries like America, there is something that is called the Dobert standard. That means that anything that is that is that is said in court has to be uh, backed up by scientific research. Mm. Sometimes it's very hard because scientific research takes time. Takes time. Mm. And these so days, it's behind. yeah. So you have a case today, and you have to solve the case tomorrow or the, in, in a certain amount of time. If you had to do a research on purpose, you had to get all the stats done, and then you had to write a paper. You send the paper to mm. the editor. This process can take up to one, two years. Yeah, mm. you can't wait for that, and the person is there waiting for a sentence or waiting for yeah. not like for in the TV shows no 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 and it's not just yeah sometimes you see Gil Grissom in CSI that does his own little experiment in his office in the darkness yes. well, why is always in the darkness by the way turn and the light on I don't know Jeez, Gil. See, yeah, you barely see the freaking bug oh, <laughs> uh, and yeah uh, and so oh, I found this no you didn't find this you did one bug nobody was with you you don't write anything you didn't do any stuff it's so, uh, uh, yeah, it's the world of science is not well enough on. Angela Lansbury yeah. with the, with the <laughs> yeah. broken watch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's incredible. And so if, if people want to learn more about your work or get in touch with you, where can they do that? Well, um, yeah, just <laughs> now that there is Dr. Google, you can simply put my name <laughs> on. <laughs> uh, definitely um, in the website of the university, so Murdoch University, you just put my name down, Murdoch University. I'm also on social media with uh, my name on LinkedIn, uh, Dr. Paula Magni, and on uh, Twitter and Instagram with doc underscore Magni. So it's hard to not find me. <laughs> You're everywhere. <laughs> Fabulous. That's so awesome. Thank you so much for chatting with us today. We've got a final funny little question to um, ask you. So if you were an insect, oh God, <laughs> which one would you be and why? Oh, if I was an insect, ah, it's hard, the life of a bug. <laughs> <laughs> Because, uh, yeah, it's a tough one because some bugs, they look beautiful, but, yeah, they are most of their life caterpillars and then they just have a good good day of life to be beautiful and go around and have babies and they just go. On one hand, I would say I would just want to be a caterpillar and eat junk food all day. Mm, good and choice. Just, and then yeah, just have a big nap. Yeah, something like that. Mm. It be gorgeous because they're very chunky and colored and sometimes they have fake eyes on their bum bum so it's, it's pretty, <laughs> they're pretty cool um sometimes when i'm very hangry with my husband i will say um manta like i'm, I'm, I'm praying mantis that eat the head of the husband mm. <sighs> it's relatable yeah something like that sometimes uh i will uh, would like to be a, a social insect uh to improve the sisterhood <laughs> mm-hmm. because there are so many that they are just females they don't have any male or even or only sometimes and they just look after each other and do their own things so they can do nails dance and <laughs> <laughs> hairdresser they can talk gossip all the time you don't have to watch sport so all these things so i think you more than one bag it could be a combination of little bugs also some days you just you just want to roll your own shit and just <laughs> go around with your own little ball and yeah you should have like a, a, a bug day every time i should go for a for a t-shirt like today i'm feeling like a like <laughs> Which a dung bee today yeah. i feel like yeah pray um, mantis yeah yeah so i'm not <laughs> answering to the question though so yeah depend on the day depends okay. on the yeah. day yeah. Fair like enough. That, there are many enough. options yeah <laughs> Yeah. Many options. Yeah, yeah. I, I reserve the right to change bug at any time. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> well, thanks so much for joining us. This has been so fascinating. Um, and um, we really hope that you um, ha- have every success and maybe one day we'll get that Nobel Prize. Yeah. I yes. will let you know. Maybe we can talk about that. Yes. Yeah. Do let us know <laughs> if you do. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for having me.